Alright, hello, hello, what up? Welcome to episode 11 of the Project 6 podcast. We're back. Next Gen is finally here. This is a big week. A lot to talk about. So, we'll just skim through some news items real quick, I guess. And then get to the actual important stuff of the week. So, let's get right into it. First, uh, first little piece of information... Uh, Disney Plus is now included on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, Game Pass Ultimate, specifically. Uh, Neat little offering, I guess. Uh, If you don't have Disney Plus, you can watch, you know, The Mandalorian or whatever else. If you wish. But the important thing to note here is it's only 30 days of Disney Plus. So, I think pretty much the way it works, you sign up for Game Pass Ultimate, you get 30 plus, or 30 days of Disney Plus, but it's also automatically set to auto-renew. So if you get Game Pass Ultimate and you get Disney Plus, you got to shut the auto-renewal off or you're going to get charged in 30 days. Small little thing. Um, Genshin Impact leaked out phone numbers, I guess. Uh, This was a Reddit thread earlier this week where if you had linked via mobile... On Genshin Impact, your phone numbers were visible to everybody. So you could go in, I believe, to like any account, and you could go to verify an account through mobile or whatever. So I kind of like a uh, forgot your password sort of setting where you could verify the security on the account. So if you had mobile, any uh, mobile notifier or whatever the fuck it's called on here you would just hit you know verify linked mobile number and it would tell you hey we we sent a message with a code to this number and they just gave the whole number so in theory you could access pretty much every anybody's phone number (laughs) if they had linked to mobile which is not great especially when you're talking about a chinese game (laughs) but uh i think it got fixed just a uh, weird, weird oversight, I think, if you're putting a mobile authenticator on your game. But, whatever. Um, another one, and we'll, this gets this has more to do with stuff later on, but Insomniac announced this week that Spider-Man PS4 save files would be able to now transfer over to the PS5 for Spider-Man Remastered. Originally, this was not the case. Uh, it's just one of those things. I I don't understand why it wasn't the case. Like there was no, there was no reason to not allow Spider-Man PS4 save files to transfer over. So it's just weird, but Insomnia took care of it. One of those things that I sort of expected they would because the backlash was so hard that they kind of had to do it. Um, but I'm excited because, uh, so I'm going to replay this game. I'll get into this more a little bit later, but since I'm coming right off Miles Morales, I'm just going to roll right into new game. Plus I'll use all my unlocked stuff, skip all the side stuff, just play the story again and it'll be fun. I get to use all the new suits. So good, good. So your save files can transfer over, which is all we're really looking for. Uh, Another next-gen little 
story. If you saw this, because this was making the rounds on Twitter a lot. I think it was Tuesday mo- Tuesday morning. Uh, people were posting videos uh, allegedly of their Xbox Series X smoking. Right, so the it pretty much looked like a smokestack where the console was just standing up and there was just a plume of smoke coming out of it. Uh, now, if I'm being totally honest, I thought for sure that this was not real. As soon as I saw it, I was like, there's something shady here because I've seen two people this... So at the time, I'm looking at the video, right? First time, and I'm like, I've only seen two people do this. And so I didn't necessarily buy that it was a real problem with the Xbox Series X. And then, sure enough, it was later on that day, people found out that it was vape smoke. People were putting, running their vape smoke through the Xbox Series X so that all the smoke was pluming out of the top of it. And obviously, just for entertainment purposes, Xbox felt the need to then tweet out, we can't believe we have to say this, but please do not blow vape smoke into your Xbox Series X. Honestly, it's just one of those stupid things. Uh, I I mean, it's not surprising. People like to buy new gaming consoles and destroy them or do stupid stuff to them. That's what people like to do. So... It was a weird thing, and there was also a another one I didn't see till after the fact where someone was using a paper clip to make it look like a ping pong ball was blowing and floating above the top of the Xbox. It's stupid stuff. Like, can we not, can we like grow up a little bit and just not be stupid? Whatever. Um. So yeah, if you get a next gen console, don't do stupid stuff that's going to break it. Or try to make people think it's broken. Because it's dumb. It's dumb. Um, Another one this week. Twitch tweeted out. This goes back to the topic from a couple weeks ago. Twitch tweeted out a a huge Twitter thread. Apologizing for their handling of the DMCA situation. And not totally like filling in partners on what was going on with copyright strikes and whatnot. Honestly, I, I'm sick of this crap from Twitch. Like, Twitch does this all the time. So they say they're going to do something, right? They say something's going to happen. They fail to deliver. They then apologize. And in their apology, they ask people to hold them accountable and tell them how they can be better. And then nothing happens. Rinse and repeat. And it's just... Like, what? Like, and this goes back to, there were a lot of complaints about, you know, some streamers were getting special treatment related to the terms terms and services for conduct and whatever. Like, and then they apologize and they're like, oh, if, if we're not doing a good enough job, you have to tell, tell us we're not doing a good enough job and we'll do something about it. And it, it's just like, well, well how many times... How many times are you going to say that without actually backing it up? Like you put out, you put out this big 
warning about DMCA last minute, people get rammed with copyright claims. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, sorry, we didn't do a good enough job. Tell us how we can be better. Well, you're not listening because when you said it the first time, people told you that that wasn't good, that that wasn't going to work, that they needed your help. And then after it predictably fails, you're like, oh, sorry. I don't know. Like, you're not making any ground there. I just, I don't, I don't get Twitch's management. Honestly, Twitch is a shit show the way it's run. Um, if it wasn't far and away the best game streaming platform, then it would probably catch up to them. But it's just Twitch is too big for this sort of crap to really bite them in the ass, which is unfortunate. But I mean, it's the most user friendly streaming site out there. There's a reason Mixer went away. There's a reason no one's ever challenged it. YouTube has streaming going on, but I mean, personally, I just don't like the way YouTube has everything set up. So Twitch is just, and now Twitch has Amazon as a backer. So it's like, I don't know, it's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter that their management is completely inept. But we'll complain about it anyway, because that's what we do here. When I have an issue, I'm going to complain about it. No one's going to care, but I do. Uh, another, another little fun thing I saw here. Assassin's Creed Valhalla has twice as many players as Assassin's Creed Odyssey did on launch day. This doesn't surprise me for a couple of reasons. Um, I think Origins and Odyssey did a good job of getting Assassin's Creed, like overhauling it and getting it back on the rails. But I don't think, I think that took a little time for that to actually happen, right? Those games had to come out and prove that that's what they were doing. And then people were able to get back on board. And then when you factor in the fact that Valhalla, just the marketing for Valhalla was really good. The game has looked good since the second they first showed it off. I think that this is sort of the culmination of that work, getting the series built back up. And then... Obviously, Valhalla was the launch title on the Xbox Series X, right? It was That was the title. You get the Xbox Series X on day one. The one next-gen game that's available is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So that's obviously a part of it, but I think, I think it has more to do with Ubisoft's progressively building the series back up, and I think that's what, what you're seeing here. More on Valhalla later, but... And then actually, speaking of Ubisoft, uh, I guess this got said the other day. Do I even have the actual comment here? I don't think I do. I think I have the wrong link. Um, so starting with Valhalla, I have it right here. Achievements are not available for Assassin's Creed Valhalla on PC, and it was an intended change. There was some dispute on the Ubisoft forums here about whether or not it was intended or not. And that's because Ubisoft, as it said here, on PC is ditching achievements, and they're going more towards challenges for Ubisoft Connect, which is going to... So you complete those challenges, and you'll be getting uh, like experience boosts or other rewards. Correction. Experience boosts for your Ubisoft account and other rewards through Ubisoft Connect. 
So that it'll be more like instead of having achievements for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you can complete challenges in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And then through Ubisoft Connect, you will get rewards for doing those challenges in all of Ubisoft games, whatever those rewards happen to be. Right, like they usually put free skins or skins you can buy with like the little coin system in Ubisoft Connect. They're just they're pushing Ubisoft Connect through PC, which to me is fine. I used to be super big on doing achievements in games, and I've fallen off of that. I I don't care about it as much anymore. I just as I've tried to streamline my gaming, the the hundred percent I I look at it more as so the hundred percent completion for me is there's a lot of just menial crap that I don't care about in doing 100%. So I now look at it more as when I play a game, I go for a high percent. I It's not necessarily 100%. If there's something in the game I don't like, I'm just not going to do it. So that might mean that I only do 80 to 85% or 90% of a game instead of 100% of the game. And to me, that's fine. Like that's, it's a streamline, trying to streamline the way that I play the game, maximize the efficiency of my game time. And just not not do a bunch of stupid stuff I don't like just for the sake of doing it. So I've stopped doing achievements. So I, honestly, I don't care about that. Huh, and then the last thing. So on Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Stupid name. Uh, the haptic feedback on the PlayStation 5 controller. Apparently, every gun feels differently using the PlayStation 5 controller. Which is cool. But speaking of which... Let's get to the PlayStation 5 and some of these games and whatnot now. So take a break, and then we'll come back, talk about a bunch of the the good stuff from this week. So I'll be right back. All right, what up? We're back. All right, time for the good stuff. Uh, So first thing I've been playing this week, I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I have been playing a crap ton of it. Uh, So Valhalla was playable... Starting at 8 o'clock Monday morning, if you used a VPN to use a New Zealand server, you could you could start playing. Or Australian, whatever, same thing. Um, so I played <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla. The first 40 hours that the game was playable, I played about 21 to 22 hours. Um, it's The game is very fun. Uh, it's it's about what I expected, right? The the combat is brutal. It's violent. It's fun. The raiding is super fun. Just going through and just ripping through enemies. Uh, part of the problem I had with Origins and Odyssey in terms of combat was I felt like a lot of times I was just chipping away at enemies and really not doing a whole lot of damage. And... That's not the case in Valhalla. I mean, I am chunking everything that I fight. It usually takes just a couple of hits. The finishers are just devastating. All the the weapons are fun. Right now I'm running uh, a hammer in my right hand and an axe in my left hand. Just smashing through everything. The game is super fun as a Viking game. On the assassin side, it's just not... 
it's a it's a big step back for the series, I think. Um, I know a lot of people get on Odyssey. F- like, it's weird to me that the hardcore Assassin's Creed fan base loves Origins, but despises Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I don't get it. And they're now talking about this game, how this is back to what Origins did. And I think on some level it feels a little more Origins than Odyssey. But people talk about Odyssey like stealth wasn't a thing in Odyssey. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like sure, Odyssey, Odyssey enhanced the non-stealth gameplay. But the stealth in Odyssey was still pretty good. And the stealth in this game blows. It's terrible, right? They brought they brought back some of the social stealth stuff, but it's just it's it doesn't really do anything. You know the it's the same problems I had with with these mechanics in the old school Assassin's Creed games, where you know you're you're walking through with the hood up, you're moving painfully slow through a town, and as soon as a guard sees you, all they do is walk up to you, and there's nothing you can do. You know, I just, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like the obsession that the hardcore Assassin's Creed people have with some of the old school mechanics in this series, I just don't get. There's a reason people stopped playing the games. There's a reason that those mechanics were taken out because they just weren't good. And then Valhalla, I think, has really grinded just the stealth to a halt in general because you really don't have a whole lot of abilities available to you in terms of stealth, right? It's, you have the hidden blade, you have the bow. There's a chain assassination that's kind of, like, obnoxious to use. You know, even in uh, Odyssey, with the chain assassination, it, if an enemy spotted you, it was fine. You could still You could still use the chain part of it. So you assassinate the first guy, and someone across the street spots you. Well, you can then throw the the spear of Leonidas at that person and kill them in, in Valhalla. If they see you, that's it. You can't, you can't throw an ax at them to chain assassinate. So it's just, it's clunky. It's very tough to assassinate like two people in a row reasonably quickly. It's just clunky. I almost always get spotted. You know, I was playing on the master assassin stealth difficulty and if you're playing on that, the second someone sees you, that's it. They they know where you are and your cover's blown. And sure, it's it's kind of neat that if someone sees you and you kill them fast enough, the rest of the place, like the rest of the enemies in that location won't come find you because they, they weren't alerted. But I, I still just don't... I think the stealth in this game blows, which, which sucks because I like stealth gameplay. And the fact that Ghost of Tsushima came out and... Its stealth was terrific. It, I don't know, like, it's a bummer. Because it just, it, it's bad. The stealth in this game is bad. The Viking stuff is fantastic. I love it. And I'm really enjoying the game. But the stealth sucks. But I'm, I still think I'm very early in Valhalla. So we'll get, we'll get back to more of that later on. Uh, and then I'll I'll touch on like the God stuff later on too. Because right now, like I've done a lot of Asgard stuff. And it blows so to be determined on that we'll see how the rest of that game goes i'm only like 30 30 maybe like 33 hours in 32 33 something like that 
So, long way to go on Valhalla. Um, PS5. Oh! I got up 5 o'clock, bright and early, on Thursday. I got down to Best Buy. I got there, it was like 5.55 maybe. When I got there, I got there a few minutes before 6, which is when I had my appointment to pick it up. Uh, sitting in my car for a couple minutes, and I saw someone walk into Best Buy, and I was like, oh. Uh, I couldn't tell if it was someone working there or someone who went in to buy one. No idea. So I just got up. I walked over to the door, and I stood there, and one of the guys over there came up to me and asked me if I was uh, waiting to get in. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you know, you can't get in until 6. Cat, I don't want to deal with you right now. Uh, so I, I was like, okay. He took my name, went inside to bring the console out and have it ready. Cool. I was sitting there. Six o'clock comes. I walked in, walked right to the register. Guy was like, you're the first one to get the PS5. And I was like, fuck yeah, I am. And I just, there were, like, there were only two other people at the store anyway that were buying them. Um, but I... Got my PS5, walked out, was in my car by 6.02, came home by 7 o'clock. I had the thing all up and ready to go. Uh, and then I started streaming at 7 o'clock. Uh, little plug here, a little note. The first, so about the first half hour that I did on my stream Thursday, I was talking about my impressions of the PlayStation 5. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that video uploaded to YouTube by the end of the weekend. Uh, so it's just the first, just the raw first half hour that I was playing with the console and messing around with some stuff. So all those, like the real hardcore initial impressions, all right there in that video, live as I was experiencing them, and that'll get uploaded soon. Um, that was while playing Astro's Playroom. The console, the console is great. I really like the UI. I hated the PlayStation Four UI. I just I found it super annoying to use and navigate through and it's been cleaned up for the ps5 so i like the the ui the console runs great it's nice and quiet the only problem i have with the console is man this thing is fucking hot my room gets so hot running that console it's not even funny um and it just I don't think you're going to get away from that. I know that was one of those things like people were talking about, oh, you know, how hot's the console? Is it going to stay cool this time? It, it ain't staying cool this time. These these consoles, it's just they're not going to stay cool. So it's going to be hot. That's just the nature of it. But whatever. The console is very good. I like it a lot. The controller, the controller is unbelievable. I, people were not joking with this thing. Playing so I guess I'll just roll this into Astro's Playroom because it's tightly tied to it. Um, okay, uh, I had to I had to stop there real quick as my cat was being a pain in the ass. Um, so Astro's Playroom, Astro's Playroom is one of those. It's it's a glorified tech demo, but it's one of those things that is designed specifically to maximize the features on the controller. It's designed to do that. So. The way you experience things in Astro's Playroom are probably more dramatic than you're actually going to experience in most games, is how I would look at it. Because they built it to maximize those features. So, like, there was a section where you start using the triggers for the first time, and they 
pumped the resistance up on those things so high. It caught me completely off guard when I pulled the trigger down. It was like, what the hell is this? Um, so it's, it's cool. Like you pick up the controller for the first time when I took it out of the box and I'm hitting the triggers and I'm like, you know, I mean, they just feel like normal triggers. Like where is, where is the, the resistance that people were talking about? They just felt like normal triggers, but then you get into the game and it, it changes based on the game, which is not what I expected. So like, for example, in Spider-Man, you could pull the trigger down about four-fifths of the way, just like a normal trigger, and then there's just a tiny little bit of resistance in that last fifth that you have to like actually apply a little bit of force onto the trigger to get it all the way down, which which is cool. So now, you know, if it's just set up like that in a lot of games, you re- you can really control the triggers better while playing the game just with that tiny little resistance in there. So so the triggers are really well done. Um and they definitely you can definitely feel it, right? And I don't know, I I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it, but it was fine. The haptic feedback it honestly, I don't notice it a lot of the time. It's it's it, like it's in there, and if you're really paying attention to the controller, you can feel it. But a lot of the time, it's just sort of natural, not even occurring to me that it's going on. Um, but when you do notice it, it it's legit. That haptic feedback is not a joke. And again, apparently it feels differently for every gun in the new Call of Duty. Like, that feature is legit. That's going to be a staple for controllers moving forward. It won't take long for Xbox to pump out a new controller that's using that. Uh, it's dynamite. <laughs> it's it's really cool. Um, like, there's one part at the end of Spider-Man Miles Morales where he's got, like, bioelectric energy going through him. And you can feel the entire controller crackling. Like, the electricity is going through the controller. And it's freaking awesome. So the controller's legit. It's not too big, which I'm I was glad about when when they first had pictures going out about the controller. I was afraid it was going to be too big because I really like the size of the DualShock 4. It's it's a tiny bit bigger. Um but it's the size is good. The feel of the controller's nice. Like there's a little bit of a grip on the bottom side. If I grab my controller, where if you've seen the pictures, if you zoom in with like a, a magnifying glass, right? Or if you just take a picture of the back of your controller and then you zoom in on the picture, you can see it. They have like the pattern for all the PlayStation buttons is inside the back, which gives it that texture. So it's just a little bit of a texture on the back that gives it some good grip that I like. The bottom... So on the bottom of the two sides of the controller, it's not round. And I despise that. It, I want a rounded edge on the end of the controller. It's like square and flat, and I don't like that. But other than that, it's, it's a really nice controller. Um, it's legit. There's no two ways about it. The only thing I'm bummed out for right now is I can't use it on PC. Right, you can you can plug it in and run it as a generic controller through Steam and remap the buttons and I I tried to do that to bypass Ubisoft Connect 
and use it on Valhalla. But when I was able to get it working, the buttons weren't lined up right. And the the vibration wasn't working anyway. So I was like, screw it. So I want to use it on PC, but I can't do that yet. So it was bumming me out. Um, anyway, Astro's Playroom. Astro's Playroom is a good game. It's worth playing. Look, it's free. It's pre-installed on your PlayStation. There's really no reason not to play it. Even if you just play the first level. Spend like 20-30 minutes playing the first level. And just see what those features on the controller are. It's worth your time. Just 20 minutes is all that you need. Um, it, It's just... Yeah, it's worth it. It's a, it's a nice little tech demo. Shows you the potential of the controller. It's good. Oh, and the other thing on the controller, the motion controls suck. I still hate motion controls. I want them nowhere near my controller. Right? When I when I first was messing with the motion controls on the controller, I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. And then they put you in a section in Astro's Playroom where you have to use the motion controls, and it's dreadful. I... I the, the trend of motion controls can't die fast enough for me. I just, I hate them. Anyway, tangent over. Astro's Playroom, look, it's only like two hours long. If you go back and, and 100% it to get the Platinum Trophy or whatever, it's probably going to take you no more than four hours. Three, four hours max. But it's a, fu- it's a fun little game. And, you know, the... Astrobot is like a super charming, adorable little character. He fits the PlayStation brand perfectly. And and like the actual gameplay, I know it's just like a glorified tech demo, but it, it's actually kind of fun. And the mechanics in there are kind of fun. And I can see, wow, you know, you could make a full-fledged 3D platformer with Astrobot. And, and I would like to see that personally because I, I think there's some potential there. I actually kind of liked Astro's Playroom. I thought it was really worth playing and I thought it was an enjoyable experience. And that's before the fact that this thing was just packed. It was basically just a history trip and a nostalgia trip for PlayStation, right? You saw all these old consoles, re- references to just about every PlayStation series, um, you know, you get to the end, you start hearing, like, the startup sounds for the PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 2. Like, it's just super cool. It was fun. I really liked Astro's Playroom. And I want a full Astrobot game. That being said, if they're not going to do that, fine. I would like Astrobot to stick around as, like, a PlayStation... Maybe not Mascot. Mascot's pretty strong. But, I don't know, make him, like, a frequently occurring character for the PlayStation. Yeah, kind of like the paperclip in Microsoft Office, right? I I think that'd be kind of cool because he's a super adorable little robot and he fits PlayStation really well. And I want an Astrobot game, <laughs> plain and simple. I want an Astrobot game. Spider-Man Miles Morales. This game's fun as shit. <laughs> it, I mean, it's every bit as fun as the first Spider-Man game, uh, but now you get like all these Venom powers. Um. So, the story, I mean, the story's okay. It is it is what it is. I, I really like how they handled the Prowler. I thought the Tinkerer was maybe a little disappointing. But the Prowler was really good. I'll get to Miles as a character in a second. 
but like the gameplay was good. It's the same city, which I mean, that's not a bad thing, right? I I just love swinging through the city and I've never played another game where the idea of fast traveling doesn't even cross my mind. I I just, between Spider-Man on PS4 and Spider-Man Miles Morales, there was not a single moment where I said, wow, I'm just going to fast travel here to save myself some time. Because the swinging is so freaking fun. And it's just, it's really good. And I enjoy that. Now, it's also, I don't know, a 12... 15 hour game at most right if I I only have like six gang hideouts and that's it then I'm hundred I've hundred percent of the game and I'm at like 12 hours played I would have be honestly I would have beat Spider-Man Miles Morales in one day if I didn't stop because I only had like an hour left to story you can beat the story in this game in like eight hours maybe maybe less um it's just, it's a short little game, which is fine. Like, I enjoy it, and I would say, if you really like Spider-Man, it's going to be worth it. If you are going to play through the game multiple times, and you're going to play New Game Plus or whatever, it's going to be worth it. But $50 just to play through Spider-Man Miles Morales is probably a bit much. Um, I I would say I was expecting maybe a little more. Not much more. But I thought this game was going to get up to like the 20 hour mark and there's no shot that one full playthrough of the game is going to get me close to that, right? If I go back and do those six gang hideouts, which I'm sure I will at some point this week, um, I'm going to finish the game at what, 13, 14 hours played maybe, which is, I mean, it's okay. Is that worth $50? I don't know. You... That answer's up to uh, you. I don't regret buying it. I really enjoyed it. And honestly, I... So I am in the camp where... So Peter Parker is still my favorite Spider-Man. But I'm in the camp that I was never, like, super into Miles. Right? Because Miles as a character doesn't really have the solo strength of Spider-Man. Right? He just doesn't. Like, and if you look, a lot of... I haven't read a lot of Miles really any of Miles' stuff in the comics. But most of his stuff is not by himself. It's with other people or, you know, Peter's villains. He Spider, Spider-Man, the Miles Morales version, just there's not a whole lot there singularly. But Into the Spider-Verse did a great job with him. But again, that, that version really leaned on other Spider-Man stuff. Whereas this version is really, I know Peter Parker's there mentoring him, but they, Insomniac did a great job of getting Peter out of the picture and giving Miles room to grow on his own, right? And do things on his own with his own villains. And, and it worked. It worked really well. And they do, the biggest thing for me is the, like the community aspect of Miles, right? They Insomniac went super hard at building up Harlem and obviously specifically the Puerto Rican community because Miles is half Puerto Rican. And and that 
all of that work and that detail really comes through the character and it's all integrated really well. And, you know, Miles, when he's, when he's out of the suit and just walking down the street, you know, he'll casually help people that are, you know, struggling with something in the neighborhood or, you know, he speaks sign language, he speaks English, he speaks Spanish and, you know, he's interacting with all these little people and there's all these details all over the place and by the end of the game, it, like he he feels like the embodiment of his community, which you know it's a it's a little different than how they treat Peter. So he he gets to feel like his own character, and it's just a different take on being the friendly neighborhood Spider Man. And I I thought it was really good. Um, so personally, I like Insomniac's version of Miles Morales. A lot more than the Into the Spider-Verse version. Which isn't a knock on the Into the Spider-Verse version. Because that one's also really good. I just... This particular version of Miles Morales, I really like a lot. Uh, and his his 2099 suit is fucking dynamite. That thing is awesome. Might be my favorite Spider-Man suit, period. But... I'm looking forward to Spider-Man 2. I'm hoping... And I'm expecting it's going to be sort of like the Grand Theft Auto 5 thing. Where you get to swap between the two the whole game. You can just freely play whichever version of Spider-Man you want. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, Peter will be like the main Spider-Man. But it'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. And just one more thing to mention. I despise that we're still referring to it as Spider-Man PS4. Why couldn't you have come up with a better name for your game than Marvel's Spider-Man? Like, come on, Insomniac. And now, like, the naming convention of these games is just annoying, right? Marvel's Spider-Man or Spider-Man PS4. Now we've got Spider-Man Miles Morales. And it's just... I... The naming really annoys me. Especially now that I'm writing. Because writing about these games and trying to use the game titles is a gigantic pain in the ass. But anyway, so I beat Miles Morales pretty good. I liked it a lot. I'm going to I'm going to start mixing in I think what I'm going to do is when I stream I'm going to start with Spider-Man Remastered and I'll play through that on New Game Plus cuz I really want to play through it again now that I'm feeling the itch. And then after I beat that I'll probably play through Miles Morales again on New Game Plus and I'll just play the two of them back to back and that'll be a good time. So those those might be stream games moving forward. But we'll see. Depends on how into Valhalla I am and how much I just want to keep pressing ahead with that. Because I still have Demon Souls I gotta play. Cyberpunk 2077 is allegedly coming out in a month. Uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising with its dumbass name is coming out soon. Like, there's there's a lot of games to play and not enough time. And honestly, after this week, I am I am crashing. I'm exhausted. It's been a long week, but it's been a fun week. Uh, and then one last thing I want to get to, The Mandalorian this week. Uh, so, obvious spoilers here. So, if if, you, if you're behind on The Mandalorian, or you haven't seen this week's episode, or whatever. Uh, I mean, if you care about the spoilers, I would definitely recommend stopping here. And if you stop here, thanks for listening. I appreciate your company. Have a wonderful week. But... The Mandalorian. So, again, spoilers. So this week, 
we got the first real step in Dave Filoni really putting his foot down on this series. Uh, Bo-Katan was introduced in this week's episode. Bo-Katan, for those not familiar, quick little history here. So during the Clone Wars, uh, Satine was the ruler of Mandalore. Satine, if you're unaware, was the former girlfriend of Obi-Wan. And her sister... So Satine was a pacifist. She didn't want fighting. The traditional way on Mandalore was to fight. And Bo-Katan was on the fighting side of it. So she was on the opposite side of her sister. She was a part of Death Watch, who was a group of Mandalorians who wanted the more traditional rule of Mandalore. And they were a terrorist group and they were trying to take control from uh, Satine. They eventually enlisted Darth Maul. Maul helps them take Mandalore. And when Maul helps them take Mandalore, he assumes control of the entire planet. And Bo-Katan is the leader of the side that says, hey, this isn't cool. Like, you can't do this. And he goes, well, yes, I can. And then he leaves. Or, correction, she leaves. So she takes her group and leaves. So now Bo-Katan is not in Death Watch anymore. She's in the rebel group opposing Death Watch. And then she enlists the help of Obi-Wan, basically. They retake Mandalore. Satine is killed by Maul in front of Obi-Wan. And then Maul is captured by Palpatine. Maul eventually comes back, retakes the planet. Bo-Katan goes back to Obi-Wan and tries to get help from the Jedi. And Ahsoka goes and helps Bo-Katan at the Siege of Mandalore, at the very end of the Clone Wars. And then, you know, what happens, happens. She She's in command of Mandalore, and Ahsoka's gone. Period. Uh, and then the Empire wipes out Mandalore. And then, in Star Wars Rebels, I'm like, I'm going on a tangent now. There's like a whole bunch of Mandalore stuff going on. Ultimately, Bo-Katan gets the Darksaber and she's in charge of Mandalore. Sometime during, the, you know, before Episode 4. Bo-Katan has the Darksaber and is in control of Mandalore. Alright, that's where we're at. So what we don't know is how... Um, is it Moff Gideon? Is that his name? The guy who's played by... Yes. So, Moff Gideon, who's played by Giancarlo Esposito, has the Darksaber, which we know from the end of Season 1. So, he had to get it from Bo-Katan. We just don't know how that happened. So, he did something to get the Darksaber from Bo-Katan, and she's not dead. She is looking for the Darksaber, and she's looking for Moff Gideon. Okay. I just went on a tangent about Bo-Katan for like the last three minutes. And honestly, I have no idea what I just said. Anyway, history lesson over. So Bo-Katan, major, major Mandalorian character from the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. She told, you know, Din Djarin that the Jedi he's looking for is Ahsoka Tano, who is the most popular character in Star Wars right now. She's like... If Darth Vader's my 1A, she's my one lowercase a. 
like she is right there with Darth Vader as my favorite character in Star Wars. I love Ahsoka. I cannot wait for her to come into the series. I just, I really hope they don't screw her up because I, I adore this character and I'm going to be very upset if they screw her up in live action. But the more important thing, uh, so Ahsoka is not going to be in next episode. Next episode is directed by Carl Weathers. So Din is going to end up probably on Navarro with the season one characters either touching his ship up or getting a new ship or whatever. And Dave Filoni is directing episode five. And Dave Filoni is the one who's going to get to do Ahsoka. No, Ahsoka's not making a live action debut for anyone else leading the episode. It's going to be all Dave Filoni. And so episode five in two weeks, that's going to be the Ahsoka episode. You can take it to the bank. And I, I can't wait. But the the bigger point here is... I think the the Star Wars animated series between Clone Wars and Rebels, that like story thread going through there, to me is my favorite in all of Star Wars. I like it more than any of the movies. You know, Obi-Wan and Anakin are in there, Ahsoka's in there. Like it's just the Mandalore stuff is so good. And you saw it in this episode when Bo Katan and the other two Mandalorians are walking through the Imperial uh I don't think it was a freighter. What the hell kind of ship was it? Cruiser. It was a cruiser. Um, but they're walking through mowing down stormtroopers. Like that episode of The Mandalorian, that was a Clone Wars episode. And that's why people love that show so much. Because it's just, it's so good. And the way it's done is great. And oh, I loved it. So that stuff is now bleeding into The Mandalorian, right? That story thread is running right through The Mandalorian. And I'm. I'm in. Let Dave Filoni do his thing and just take over. Dave Filoni should do everything in Star Wars as far as I'm concerned. Because the guy is fucking incredible. He's just... The guy just gets Star Wars. He knows it. Um, But that's it. Uh, I'll talk more about The Mandalorian after Ahsoka comes in. But there's... There was a storyline at the end of Rebels with Ezra and Sabine and Thrawn's in there. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that could happen, but it all depends on what direction they go with Ahsoka. So we'll see when Ahsoka gets introduced, how this all plays out. And then I'll probably talk more specifically about like what I want from Ahsoka in terms of more star Wars stories. But that's that I've been going on a tangent for like the last six minutes on the Mandalorian, whatever. All right, let's wrap this up. We're at the 47 minute mark now. All right. This week in games, quiet compared to last week we got bubble bobble four friends the baron is back halo the master chief collection on xbox series x mortal Kombat 11 ultimate serious sam collection sniper elite 4 bridge constructor the walking dead what the fuck is that huh star renegades hyrule age hyrule warriors age of calamity is this week i'm not totally sure if i'm gonna get that or not to be determined and then Katamari Damacy reroll. Whatever. Uh, that's it. <laughs> A lot of ground to cover this week. And I'm sure we'll get to more as I continue playing these games. But anyway, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Always appreciate the company. Reminder, I'm going to have my initial, all my initial PS5 impressions going up on YouTube by the end of this weekend. 
we'll be streaming on twitch.tv slash sixture like always playing either Valhalla or Spider-Man we'll see and then keep an eye out for articles I've been writing a lot over at Screen Rant and there's definitely more to come more to come because there is a crap ton of stuff to talk about so thanks for hanging out have a wonderful week and I'll I'll catch you on the next episode adios